G'day and welcome to another episode of Authorised, the podcast where writers speak. My name's Kevin Hillier, and uh, with thanks to our very good podcast partners, CSCG, bringing you another fascinating author. This time a book from Alan and Unwin called The Watchful Wife by uh, Susan Leal, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy the chat I had with Suzanne, and also the book. It is a beauty. Uh, my podcast partner says, I mentioned CSCG, we all uh, have financial goals. We all have things we want to achieve uh, with our money. Uh, and that changes from time to time, uh, be it because of interest rates, be it because of the cost of living, be it because, uh, the, you know, just things change in your life. Uh, you might change jobs. You might get a pay increase. You might not. Uh, all those things make it uh, an ever-changing world, uh, one that CSCG is across at all times. They know all about superannuation. They all know all about mortgages. They know about all those things. They're the people to talk to. It's their business to know it so as they can help you with your business and with your financial goals. So give them a call and have a chat, Double nine seven four eight triple three, or jump on the website and uh, check out the people you're dealing with, cscg.com.au. They are terrific as is The Watchful Wife. What a good book this one is. Suzanne Leal is the uh, author of this book. It's not her first book. It, in fact, is her fifth book. So let's get stuck into it and talk to a lady who herself hosts a, uh, a book club podcast. So uh, this should be like, uh, this should be easy doors for everyone concerned. Congrats on the book, but you're an old hand at this now. Uh, well, look, it's funny. I'm, I'm probably more an old hand at being in your position. So I do a lot of interviewing, but yeah. it's um, it's such a... Such a it's such a delight actually being interviewed yourself because you would know it's a much easier proposition. Well, it can be depending on whether the person doing the interviews out to get you or just to have a chat. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> a friend of mine's had a couple of those ones, but I, I generally don't. I don't know. It Maybe depends whether you're one. having a chat or whether you're the defendant. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not the defendant here because it's a it's a terrific piece of work. It's really not a really good book. Did you? Did you like it? Gripping, very gripping. Well, I, when I managed to get it out of my wife's hands, yes, oh, <laughs> she loved great. it. By page three, she said, "No, this is the one. I'll I'll give you this oh, back really? when finished." Yes, I loved it. Oh, great news. So you always get a bit nervous as to what the reaction will be and 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 how people want to understand it. So that's tell her thank you very much. Well, is that Sarah? Is your wife Sarah? Yeah. So take us through the writing process because you wrote this in a, a bit of a different way. Uh, I gather in terms of you sort of you went away and wrote it. Yeah, yeah, look, it's um, the, the book's called The Watchful Wife and it's been with me for a while um, and I started writing it in Australia. But um, after last year, after the years of COVID, I thought it's probably time just to do something, even if it's not the right time, even if it's not um, the best situation. And um, I speak French and my children, my older children speak French as well. And my idea had always been to up stumps, work from overseas and throw the little one into school. So that's what we did last year from October, September, October to January. So my then 11-year-old went to school. Um, my husband worked, he can work from home a bit, and I, um, and I, and I worked on the novel, which was um, terrific. It was different, obviously. Um, did it bring something out different, different to, for you in your in the way you went about writing it, or was it that normal? You know what I've learned. I think. I mean, this is my my fifth book now. What yeah. I've learned is not to be so scared by the process, and particularly not to be scared by the first draft. I find writing a first draft really difficult. I find it almost torturous, and I'm convinced that it's it's rubbish. <laughs> I've learned over the time that. 
that's part of the process. What you need is a canvas. And for me, the first draft is the canvas. And with the end of the first draft comes my relief. So as soon as I start on the second draft, I know where I'm going. Doesn't matter if it's not been written well, because, you know, the, the, the beauty with writing is it can be changed. Yeah. I think um, that's probably what I brought to this book. I brought to this book, um, it's okay. Finish it, get where you know you're going, and start again and rework. Yeah. The, the layers of Ellen, uh, the layers of, of her as a character and as a, as a person uh, in this book, did, did that come easily to you? Because um, she got them all. Ah, so Ellen's, uh, Ellen's an interesting character. It's the, the book's told in the first person, um, which gives it um, an intimate feel. And I wanted someone who was a little bit on the outside, a little bit unusual, um, who'd been brought up in a very sheltered environment despite the modern world. And I wanted to try and work out how someone like that would um, manage her way through the legal system when her husband's arrested. And, um, look, she was a lot of fun because I think a lot of books, and this is a, this is a story of a woman who is navigating her way through the justice system when her husband's arrested for a crime he didn't say, he says he didn't commit. And... Um, what I wanted to, what I wanted to do is not to make it too uh, serious, not to make it too uh, depressing. I wanted it to be a quirky book where you had a woman who's a bit unusual, who says what she thinks when other people don't, and which lifts the the, the, the tenor of it. So to have a character like that, where she's um. So sheltered. So she's grown up in a church where she has to wear um, very long clothes, a hat to church. There's no dancing. There's no film going. I just thought she would be a particularly interesting person to show uh, how she views the more modern world and particularly the legal system. And also to make it a bit funny because I think quirky characters can give that to a novel. Yeah. We live in a world, uh, as we all know now, a world full of allegations uh, not mm-hmm. a lot of not a lot of uh, uh, actual fact uh, involved in in a lot of the allegations, and there's a lot of fact involved in a lot of them. Uh, but you never know where that line. You've you've broached that in this in this book, which is a really interesting and very timely thing. And with your legal background, was that something that you you kind of wrestled with? Mm, I'm um, I'm really interested in allegations, and and as you've said, I've, I've got. A long time ago, I was a criminal lawyer. I now work on a tribunal where I have to determine whether people should be allowed to work with children. So if they've been refused the uh, right, the uh, working with children check clearance, as it is in New South Wales, yeah. they can come to the, my tribunal and with a fellow member, we rehear this. And in those cases, you know, some are very easy. Some, it's very easy to say that this person, yes, is a risk to the safety of children. Others are more grey and others um, may be uh, uh, reliant on allegations or um, untested evidence. And I suppose law generally, and particularly this area of the law, gives you the grey. And I've never particularly been interested in the black and the white. I've never been interested in all good or bad. And I think in an era of social media, that's been encouraged because uh, we have to grab something in a small tweet or in a quick pitch. And I'm much more interested in the grey where things 
seem one way but might be the other or where other interpretations are available or where someone may be rightly or wrongly accused. Now, I think that makes for a more interesting conversation. Mm. The grey certainly tests your character, doesn't it? If, you, if you're stuck in the grey, you're not sure whether is he, isn't he, is he, isn't he? So you're, you're gravitating between those feelings of, oh, God, he's guilty, oh, oh God, he's not. So for, from Ellen's point of view, from the character's point of view in this book, that's a really interesting and, and I guess from a writer's point of view, a really good place to have that character. I think, too, what was interesting about Ellen is I, I think there's a lot of um, books written that focus on crime or, or some form of justice or some form of criminal allegation or deed, and often they're either from the perspective of the accused person or the police officer or perhaps even the journalist or the complainant or the victim. I don't think there's a lot that's been written about the journey of the family Mm. who accompany someone who's been accused of a crime. And in my work, I've seen a lot of wives particularly uh, who have um, been by the side of their husbands, sometimes with overwhelming evidence against them. And I've always been interested to think, well, how would you go with that? How far does a support go? Um, Do doubts creep in even if you thought yourself certain? And what do you do about those doubts? And what do you do to try and support that person and how far, how far would you go? Yeah, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? It's one that you think about that from a, a husband and wife point of view, from a par- parental point of view, all those uh, things. What about Gordon in this though? Um, a, another really interesting character. Was it a, was a hard character for you to write? Mm. Um, so Gordon's a bit of a meld of people that I've met during my life. He's a, he's a teacher. He's a Good looking. He's tall and he's good looking, uh, but probably isn't very aware of that. And that's probably because uh, he had a stroke when he was younger and he walks with a limp. So he's he's a man who stands out, but for a couple of reasons, um, both because of the way he looks and because of the way he walks. And um, in my work, I've meant I've met a lot of teachers and doctors and youth workers and chaplains, I suppose, who whose main characteristic trait is that they want to be of service and sometimes they go too far in wanting to be of service, so put themselves in jeopardy to some extent, so um, not uh, abiding by policy regulations and finding themselves alone with perhaps a child or um, finding that they just go a little bit beyond what the policies would envisage. And that can lead to very difficult outcomes. Um, It doesn't necessarily mean the person's dangerous, but it means that for me you've got to be careful in how you serve and how you self-protect as well as protect everybody else. Yeah. I suppose for me Gordon is that man who wants to be of service and um, does he go about it the right way? I mean, that's that's a matter for the reader, I think. Yeah, it's a, a very interesting kind of area that, that you're putting. The, the vulnerability of both the two major characters in the book is something that re- I think people will resonate with really well too. I hope so. I think, um, I think vulnerability is an important characteristic in 
books. I mean, books are intimate. Um, writing a book is intimate. And to be um, open to your reader, I think there needs to be some vulnerability in a book, whether it's the vulnerability of the writer or the vulnerability that comes through the characters. Because I think I think we want to we want to be the character to some extent. I mean, the books that you lose yourselves in are those books where you could be that person. And I think you can only put yourself in that person's shoes if they show not only strengths but vulnerabilities. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally agree. Uh, the uh, the uh, biblical uh, <laughs> references and parts in this, some of them pretty harrowing, uh, <laughs> pretty pretty hairy Sunday school uh, lessons. Um, how, uh, I mean, now you're, am I right in saying that one of your parents was a, the- a theologian? Yes, yes, yes. That's right. Yes. So is that um, where all that comes from? And I know you. I know you spoke to some some uh, some people in the uh, in the religious area uh, to to kind of back up the facts and stuff. Yes. Yeah, so, so my father, my late father, was a first of, was a French professor, but in his um, retirement, uh, he uh, did a doctorate in eco theology, which is the theology of the environment. And his um, his theology was a very progressive. Um, and very socially uh, aware theology, which which I always found interesting. And he was a sort of he was a man who could um, express that well, having been a lecturer for many yeah. time, for many years. Uh, I just got to love the Old Testament. <laughs> There's so much violence in the Old <laughs> Testament, and and the, the church that I wanted Ellen to be part of, I've called the Free Church. But really, what it is is a bit of an aggregate of um, uber Protestant churches. Yeah. Those churches where there is uh, no fun, really. <laughs> so there is no, you can't watch movies, you can't um, dance, uh, you sing the psalms and only the psalms. There's no um, musical accompaniment apart from from a cantor who gives you a note. And um, and there's fire and brimstone in terms of the, the, the ministers often. And... Um, I mean, it's just fantastic. Uh, in, in, in the um, book, there's a story of JL, who um, is a pretty violent <laughs> person in the Bible. And I wanted to, what I remember in Sunday school is being told some of these horrific stories, often in a really sing song voice by my Sunday school teacher. Yep. And I wanted that to be part of Ellen, that she comes from this really austere Old Testament um, upbringing and it's that that brings that, that actually comes back to her as she progresses through the book and as she meets um, Gordon and then deals with what Gordon's accused of. So um, I just and I just think it's so... Um, it, it, it's, it's more than fiction. I mean, you, 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 wouldn't, you wouldn't make up some of the violence of this, this Old Testament. So um, I, loved, I loved doing that because I think that uh, that sort of religion can provide a very strong community for people, but it also can provide, uh, can make people feel very much outsiders. So I wanted to create a community where Ellen feels part of it, but a community that really alienates her from the rest of the world. And how do you make that jump? Yeah, and there's a there's a normalisation of uh, that kind of level of violence because it's presented like a play school uh, reading. You know, <laughs> see, Dick can do it. It's it's pre- <laughs> and I remember that myself as a kid at Sunday school. And there, but that's about someone dying, and you're t- treating it like it's a comedy routine. It's like. 
there's a, a real normalisation to that that is quite disturbing sometimes when you when you think about it. And what does that do um, if you're someone who is completely enmeshed in that? I and mean, what does that do to the way you feel about justice or the way you feel about actions that can be taken or what a God might be to you and what a God uh, can do or not do? Yeah. The testing of, uh, of individual resilience is something that we do on a day-by-day basis in normal life, but you've, you've certainly done that in this book too with the major characters. Yeah, I think um, well, I think we've we've all had to deal with resilience more than we might have expected over the last few years. And um, what I'm reading at the moment is a book by Bridget Delaney called uh, Reasons Not to Worry, and it's about the Stoic philosophy. So the philosophy of getting through and resilience and character building. And um, I. I suppose I always put myself into the character's shoes and I think thinking if I were Ellen and um, my husband were arrested for something, uh, what characteristics would I need? Uh, first of all, you would need to have some confidence to get you through and you would need resilience because what I've noticed in the papers and also in my work is that um, it can be an awful place out there in the world, in the media, where um, someone is accused of something that's really pretty awful. And I'm always interested in what would you need as the wife of that character to get you through? And I think more than anything, you need to be able to get up, take a step, go to work and manage all those looks and manage all the whispers. And that has to be resilience, I think. Mm, mm. And you've obviously put yourself in that position to be able to write in that in that first person way about about the the, the events in the book. I see a lot of uh, people who come to my tribunal, and the applicants are often accompanied by family members. And um, you know, you find yourself wondering um, what has it taken for that person to get here today? Um, how how nerve wracking has that been? Um, you know, what What was it like getting dressed when mm. you're going either to a first day in court or a first day in the tribunal? And how was someone who's not implicated in that because they're not the applicant or they're not the accused, how do they get through? So, um, yes, yeah, so no, I've seen it. My, my husband's also a barrister, a criminal barrister, and um, the cases he does uh, are often tragic cases and often involve not only the person he's defending, but their entourage. Yeah. And I've always found that very interesting. The um, the presumption of, uh, of guilt, the innocent until proven guilty, how do you feel about that message uh, in reflection with the book? Mm. Because I studied law, um, it was very heavily drummed into me that the most important part of the law is the presumption of innocence and also the right to silence. And because I worked in criminal defence work, that was something that I have always felt very strongly about. I um, I still feel very strongly about it. Obviously, it's a difficult area to raise when um, there has been such a groundswell of um, action uh, to protect complainants and victims. And 
sometimes I think there's another way to go about this. Sometimes I think that um, restorative justice for particular cases, not not very not serious cases, but cases where it's appropriate, um, might actually solve the problem for both parties. So there'd have to be an admission of guilt, of course, but yeah. um, an accused person admits guilt, the complainant or the victim in that case, um, they can come together if they want to or at least there can be some, some communication so that the complainant can be heard. And, the, and I think, look, I'm not an expert in this, but, but, but I do think that there are the presumption of innocence is absolutely important because it doesn't matter how dangerous an individual is. My view is that it's not an, an individual can never be as dangerous as the as the weight of the state. Mm. Once um, the weight of the state takes over, and the individual is no longer given a presumption or a right to silence, I think we're having trouble. So, what I would say is that. Um, it's important for an accused person to be represented, and I worked at Legal Aid for a long time, and that's fundamental not only for the person but for the complainant because you want the legal system to be well done. You want um, the submissions to be prepared. You don't want a um, chaotic situation where you've got unrepresented people dealing with very difficult um, allegations. And I, um, I think... It's important too that a complainant can be heard, and victim impact statements do that. Yeah, but 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 I think um, I think we've got to tread carefully, and I think perhaps the most important thing for me at the moment, being out of that criminal system, yeah. is to listen. I think I just need to listen to the concerns that people have, and listen to what. Uh, solutions people in the in, in the field may offer. Yeah, no, it's a really interesting point of law, I guess, in in many ways, and a point of society in many ways too, because we've seem to have adapted the lynch mob mentality in in many ways. Uh, unfortunately, well, which, is why, which is as I understand it, why the jury system was started because um, the lynch mob is not helpful. No, no. And so it was taken to a jury system. But again, I, I do think. And again, this is for for experts. There are different ways in which to get a result, and I don't know if throwing people in prison for twenty years um, is always the right way. Obviously, there are dangerous people, but I I, I query sometimes the um, the use of prison as a sanction. Yeah. And uh, the book explores that in a very interesting way, without uh, ruining and spoiling anything for anyone. That that's a, another. A facet of this book that is a really interesting place that you take it to. Look, it is really it's interesting, and I, I really enjoyed. Um, so, so prisons play a part in this book, yep. and just um, the administration in going to a prison and sort of visiting, even a legal visit, but mostly a personal visit, and what it takes for people to get inside, particularly if you're coming with babies and family. Um, that was, you know, you know it was, it's sad, but it was um, it was great to be able to write it out and just write about all the bureaucracy that might be involved yeah. in just to see somebody. Yeah. It's no day at the beach, that's for sure. 
No, no, it's not the beach. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. The, what's, have, you, have you started working on a, on your next one or are you just uh, relaxing and taking in the fact that this one's out and you've, you've done such a good job with this one? I'm not a really good relaxer, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to be a relaxer, but um, I actually, if I, if I don't write, I feel a bit, a bit twitchy, yeah. a bit unsettled, so I need to write something and I'm, I'm writing another book which... Um, focuses on a law firm and cases that um, one of the one of the women takes. And um, so it's it's a similar, I think probably I always write about moral conundra or moral complexities. Yeah. And and I'm hoping that's that's what this one will also be. But also um also keeping keeping it up. I think what I've learned, I think through COVID and through interviewing people and writing, is that Writing needs to give hope. It doesn't matter what you're what you're discussing and how you're doing it. A reader needs to feel hopeful. And um, so I think probably two things for me are not to be didactic and to be hopeful. So um and, and that's that's where I like to use humor as well. And I yeah. think humor is a great tool to um to almost slide in the more serious issues. Yeah. Well, uh, the watchful wife certainly takes us uh, up and down on a roller coaster of emotions, and uh, and, a, and a great story. Congratulations on the book, well done, and uh, look forward to what's in the future from you. Oh, Kevin, look, it's a delight to be here, particularly with someone of your um, your reputation and experience, and. Um, it's so great to be interviewed. I, as we said, I think earlier, I interview it myself, and it's just a delight <laughs> to be the subject. The Watchful Wife is the name of the book. Look out for that and look out for uh, what Susan has to offer in the future. Sure, there's going to be uh, plenty more books coming from that lady and uh, and very, very good quality books that they are. But thanks once again to our podcast partners, CSCG. If you have financial goals that you're not achieving, they're the people that will help you identify where it's all going wrong and how you can fix it and how you can uh, uh, f- uh, make sure that uh, what you're planning for your future is going to happen. Give them a call, double nine seven four eight triple three, or jump on the website, cscg.com.au. Where you found this edition of Authorised, you'll find a whole lot more from a lot of very fascinating authors in all sorts of different genres. So please check that out. And until the next time, I'm Kevin Hillier. Read a book, take care, be happy, enjoy the sunshine.